It's very much a privilege to be here in front of you today. I think the reason why I like uh, speaking, not every Sunday, but allowing uh, long spans of time to go between the time I speak and the time that I don't, is that I feel like I can get rejuvenated and refreshed. I feel like I have lessons that I can learn in the interim, and I'm, I'm not always trying to seek out that next negative truth. But I feel like as I live my life for Christ, that God gives me those nuggets and that I'm able to share them with you. And that's what today is. Today's uh, discussion and topic can be, could be very confusing and it could be very difficult to convey uh, the message simply because it, it asks us to do something. It tells us to do something that the world doesn't really understand and that the world really doesn't do. And that is to die. Well, physically we die, but spiritually, what does that mean? What does it mean to die? What does it mean to really be changed in Him? This morning as I open up in prayer, I want you to think in your own heart, in your own life, what times in your life have you been changed? What has happened to you that has changed you? Whether for the good, what you would perceive as good, or the bad, what you would perceive as bad. And ask God to take your heart and your mind there, because that is where he is going to meet you, where you have been changed. Let's pray. Holy Father, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity you've given each of us here. I thank you that you have divinely brought each of us here to this moment. And I pray now that as I speak, that your word will be clear and evident. And that as I talk about things that may be confusing, things that may be not discernible, God, I pray that it will be clearly communicated what the message you have for each of us. And that in those moments that we think of our lives, where we have been changed, whether for a purpose of good, or we feel for a purpose of bad. I pray that you will show us how you want to change us for your good and your glory. God, you have a perfect and awesome plan for each of us. And some of us understand that plan. And some of us in this room are living out that plan. And there are others in this room who don't understand that plan you have for them. And they are confused. And they may be frustrated. And they may, one, may be wondering, God, how, how are you going to change me? So God, I pray today that as I speak and as your Holy Spirit speaks, that lives will be changed, that lives will be challenged, and that we will not leave here the same. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Up on the screen you'll see, Becky, you can do it now. Up on the screen you'll see a, um, I'm going to jump down here with you. This is, um, it's blank. This is, a, this is a blast from the past. I love this. I love this. Glendale Lake was a small lake situated in Marion, Indiana. And I'm sure none of you have heard of it, and that's fine. But Glendale Lake, 25 plus years ago, 
25 years, it seems crazy. Between 25 and 30, okay, I'll be truthful. <laughs> I had a lot of great memories at this lake. I had I had friends. I, uh, I, I had a lot of fun. I just we played, we splashed, we swam. I learned how to swim well here. I learned how to dive into really deep and then stick down in muck. I don't know if you've ever been in, you're kind of like a lake pond. You've ever done that? Stick your hand down in the muck and pull it out, and then you pull it up right to the surface, and you do what with it? You have muck fights, of course. Um, some people do it with seaweed. We did it with muck. But um, it, was, it was a blast. It was awesome. Um, I can remember uh, with friends. Uh, we would eat a little bit. We, we went fishing there. We caught catfish, bluegill, crappie. It was just an, a great time, a wonderful time of enjoyment. Well, I had over the years, um, after, um, after and I had over the years just kind of actually driven through the whole thing. This is not just a lake. It's a place where, where uh, it's like a housing addition, and you drive around, and at that time, it was, I don't, I, I don't know how to use the word swanky, um, it was a nice, I mean, okay, I was the youngest of nine, and um, we didn't have a lot of money. So any friends I had there, it was a bonus. Because I got to ride the little scooter that they had. I got to slam dunk on a low hoop that they had. I got to do all these fun things. And it all surrounded around this lake. It all surrounded around the people and the community that were around this lake. What a joyful time. Go to the next picture. Fast forward this summer. I, I, I come up to the lake, and it says a private lake, members only, non-residents, no fishing, swimming, or parking. Okay, perfectly. I, I understand that. They don't want the, the, the ones who haven't paid to live in this addition to be there. They don't want them to use that, that water, that fun, enjoyment that I had. They don't want uh, to have the ne'er-do-wells be in their water, in their area, destroying their homes, uh, polluting their lake doing all of those things. And um, so uh, as, I, as I show you this picture, now I want you to go to the last picture. Okay. What you see before you is a field. What you see before here, before you, used to be Glendale Lake. This dock right here, see the, the brown, you can probably barely see it, the brown thing in the middle? That's a dock. That dock was connected, it's probably 15, 20 feet as far as the legs go of it. And what you see, and I, I had a video, but it's sideways, and I don't know why it took it sideways, and it's okay. But if I was to pan around, I would be able to show you that this lake that we had once, that I had learned to swim in, that we had a lot of fun, and all these things, was now a field. And, and those weeds there, and those things, you know, and, and you can say, well, it's, it's a drought. And, but you know what? Let me tell you something. And this is, this is the point of the message today. That lake did not dry up in one summer. That lake ceased to be a lake over a period of years. Because I saw it happening. First it was the muck, that kind of the algae that grew on top. And they didn't want to dredge it or pull it up. And slowly the sunlight began to seep up and strengthen the algae and all of those things. And you know how this works. And the, and the algae became deeper and deeper, and they didn't want to spend the money or the time or the effort in taking what was a lake and continuing to make it a lake. This lake has lost its intended purpose. 
It is no longer a lake. It is a field. It's a deep field, but it's a field. What analogy can you use from this in your life? Well, it's obvious. God has intended you for a special purpose, a special meaning. The challenge here is this, is are you fulfilling your purpose? Or over a period of years, have you slowly allowed things to creep into your life that have caused you to fall away from what God has intended you to be in order to become something that is no longer what it was intended to be? I was very sad when I saw that because I remember jumping off that dock and landing in water. And if I went back to that dock, which I would never do because I don't know what's in those weeds, I would dive in and I would, I would break my neck. Because the lake that once was is no more. Well, you think, well, how does that relate to my life? Well, what things, I mean, certainly I would never look out at a, at a big body of water and say that would never be there. Well, a place where I go camping, it actually did happen. It was on purpose. It was intentionally. I went with uh, some of my friends to a place called Shaver Lake. Anybody heard of Shaver Lake in California? Well, periodically, uh, they would lower it, but they had never completely drained it. I believe last year or a few years ago, they completely drained it and took everything out of it. Took all of the gunk, all of the things that were in the bottom of it. That was intentional. The water was placed back in, and now it, it, is, it is better. It's more usable as a lake. All the junk was cleared out. This has become a field over a long period of time by allowing, by not upkeeping this lake for, for its original intention. Think about that as I speak. Think about that in your own life. God, what is my intention? What is my purpose in life? Is my purpose just to have a lot of money? Is my purpose just to have a lot of friends? Is my purpose just to, um, just to be successful? Is my purpose just to go to work every single day and then come home and then sleep and then go to work and come home and sleep and go to work? If I was to say one thing that I don't like about living in Southern California, and I told all my family this, is this, is that we in this area are driven by our jobs. We're driven by our money. We're driven by the things. We have become, and I will, I will attest to this too, there are times when I don't want to go to my job, but I realize I have to because I have to earn money. And I will tell you this, if, if you are in this position, Ask God to change your heart. He did not intend for you to be a slave to your job or to anything else. He intended you to be His servant. His intention for you is not this. To be dried out, to be tired, to be not what God has called you to be. His intention is greater. His purpose is greater. We see in in the passage uh, that in Matthew, Chapter 16, I'm going to read it to you. Matthew chapter 16 uh, says these words. Then Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must take up their cross, and follow me. For, whatever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever who loses their life for me will find it. 
What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The Son of Man is coming in his Father's glory with his angels. Then he will reward each person according to what they have done. As I start out this morning, as I look at this passage of scripture, scripture, what I'm reminded of is this, is that we have to look at it in context of what has happened before. If, if you have your Bibles, open up and look in there and see the verses that are before this. We have, at, uh, at the, near the beginning of the chapter, we have Jesus talking to Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, who, who, do, you, who do you say I am? Who am I? And Peter says very, very... Um, boldly proclaiming that he is, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And Jesus, and Jesus reveals to Peter, he says, you know what, that hasn't come from your mind. That has come from my Heavenly Father. And then he goes on to tell Peter about how he, through that concept and through what he said, he is going to establish his church forever and the gates of hell will not stand against it. So we have this incredible picture of Peter seeming in our own eyes to being lifted up. Not because of who he was, but because of what he said. Not because of who he was, but because of what he said. He caught it. He got it. He understood who Jesus was. It's kind of interesting, just in the next few verses, we have Jesus turning around and calling Peter Satan. Wow. That seems a little schizophrenic. It seems a little weird. First of all, I'm gonna, I'm, my church is going to be established on you. And secondly, what you're saying to me isn't right. Because Peter saw something in Jesus in a physical sense that he didn't want to see happen. Because Jesus then began to start talking about how he had to die and how he had to suffer. And how he had to go through all these things in order for salvation to come. And Peter said, no, Jesus, never. This will never happen to you. And that's when Jesus turned around and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Again, he was not looking at Peter and saying, Peter, you're Satan. What he was saying is, your words have not come from my heavenly Father, but they're coming from a physical sense, a fear, a worry, a concern that all that you hoped I would become, this royalty, this king with parades and pageantry. He says this, his followers expected Jesus to come out powerfully against the Roman oppressors. But there were no parades with pomp and circumstance, just a donkey and some palm branches. Jesus didn't have any weapons or plans to, to conquer. He was just a humble servant. And, and there was a cross. And Jesus had no plans for worldly wealth or fame, just a bent knee and a dirty bowl of water. He had no great plans for the next 10, 20, 30 years he ascended into heaven, and he commanded them to go. Jesus' perspective was not the here, was not just caught and, and, and conceived and understood in the here and now as we want to. Jesus' perspective was eternal. And I believe that's what he's calling us. That's what he's calling us to today. Peter, with all of his courage, spoke up. And Peter, saying this, thought, man... I must be planting a new idea in Jesus' mind. A new idea about what Jesus should be doing. Jesus, you can't do this. But we understand and know that Jesus had 
to do this. For this was the reason that he came. So, Paul, what, is, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me right here, right now? Why, why, why would I even... If I were to want to die to myself, if I were to really want to deny myself, take up the cross, and follow me, how would I begin to do that? Well, I see very specifically that there are three things that we're asked to do, and they're given specifically in this order. Have you ever met anybody, don't raise your hands, have you ever met anybody who tried to follow Jesus without taking up the cross and denying themselves first? Have you ever met anybody who said, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not going to give up anything for anyone or anybody? The set plan, the set understanding of who we are in Jesus Christ begins with the fact that we are not our own. And what we own is not our own. And what we own was not made by us. It was made by our loving Creator and our Heavenly Father. This is confusing because I go to work and Jesus isn't there. He's not helping me throughout the day. He's not, he's, not, he's not putting money in my pocket as I walk by the street. But I will tell you today, Jesus is there. And He does love you. And He is helping you. And He is bringing people in your lives and circumstances in your lives that will bring challenge to you. Because that is what Jesus did here. Jesus saw the high of Peter saying, You are the Son of God. And Jesus saw the low of Peter saying, and calling him Satan, and Jesus said, I want to challenge you, Peter, and I'm going to challenge every single person. And this is my challenge. To truly become a follower of Christ, you must. It wasn't you maybe, it wasn't you kind of. It was you must. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. So deny yourself. What does that even mean? Okay, great. Okay, deny myself. Well, think of yourself as a whole, but think of yourself as having different parts, different aspects. A heart, a mind, and a soul. Now, where do I come up with that? Well, that's in Deuteronomy 5, and that's in Luke uh, 20, 10, 27, and that's in all the different places where it says what? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and Luke adds strength. Okay, so I have these parts of me. Has everybody got it? I have, I, have, I have different parts in me, right? Everybody got it? Different parts? Not one, but different parts? So what does it mean to deny myself? If I'm really going to do this, if I'm going to do this for God, what, am I, what does it mean to deny myself? Well, denying yourself doesn't, give you, doesn't mean you have to just give up the right to certain things. It means you give up the right to yourself. Well, what does that mean to give up the right to myself? I don't understand that. I'm so confused. Let me, let me put it to you this way, very easily. Remember when I asked you to think about the time you were changed? Whether for the good or the bad. What were you like? Who were you before? Who were you before? Maybe, in, and I'm going to go another way here, maybe, it was a, maybe you were good and, and you had something bad happen to you and you were changed and you had a cold heart. You got a, you got a hard heart. You got a cold heart. And you were hurt by somebody and you rejected by somebody. And that wasn't good. 
Who were you before that change happened in your life? Now think of the other side. Maybe, and this is the side that most Christians come from. I was a wretched sinner. I was a liar. I was a thief. I was this. I was that. I was consumed with myself. Who were you before? Well, denying yourself, you understand it. Denying yourself just simply means what I was before will no longer be. Maybe today you have a, a, a friendship, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, who is leading you down a way that you shouldn't go. And God is saying, you know what? You need to cut off that relationship because it is not of me and it is not divinely guided by me. It is something that you want, but it's not something that I want. That is denying yourself. Maybe today some of you would say, you know what, I just really need to change a certain aspect of my life. I've got to change something. I've got to change. But you just can't. It's that one thing. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. There is something in our lives that that God is asking us to say, you know what, deny yourself. Give that over to me. Give up the right to do that selfishly and understand that I'm going to help you in that process. It's like saying this. All that you are and all that you have built around yourself cannot be of this world. My physical possessions are no longer my own. They have been and they always will be His. And I will no longer place them before Him in my walk with Christ or my relationship with others. My thoughts are no longer my own, but they are squarely placed in the mind of Christ. Isaiah 55, 8-9. My heart is no longer my own. It is genuinely given to the pulse, pulsing heartbeat of Christ and His teachings. My life is no longer my own, but it has been bought with a price and, I am, and, and is now and forever will be His. 1 Corinthians six twenty. Does this mean that I can have no fun? Does it mean that I have to completely give up everything that I am doing now? No. But it's a step. Maybe there's just that one thing you know has been hindering you, is getting in the way. Maybe that's the first step to having a right relationship with Christ. So we know and understand, in order to follow Christ, we have to deny ourselves. We We have to give up the right to ourself and to start following the things that He's called us to do. So the second thing is this, take up your cross. This simply means a life of sacrifice. As I've said before in denying yourself, this, is the, this, is, this puts the legs and the hands and the feet to it. This is, the action, this is where the change begins to happen. The first happens in the heart. The second begins to happen in your mind. You begin to say, um, you begin to, to hear and understand what Luke says when he says that you need to take up your cross daily. This is so difficult. This is so difficult to do because taking up your cross, is, it's easy for a moment in time. How many of us were in the youth service where it, God said, follow me and I, will, and I will do great things, and we raised our hand. We took up our cross at that moment at the, at the altar. Yes? Anybody? Bueller? Anybody? Yeah? We said, God, I will be yours and I will be no, I will be no others. I am not my own. I will, I will take up my cross. And that day, at that moment, at that altar... With the tears flowing down your face, you said, God, I want to take up my cross and I want to follow you. But then something happened. It's called sleep in the next day. 
And you were like, what in the world did I just say? Are you kidding me, God? I can't do that. You asked me to go forgive someone who can't be forgiven. You asked me to, you asked me to see someone who is, who is totally disgust, disgusting and, and brings great disdain to me, and you asked me to see them with love. You asked me to love my enemy? Are you kidding me? I must have been out my mind last night. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got you. All right? But here's the thing. When we take up our cross, it must be a daily. Whoa, 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 not a daily. It must be an hourly. Whoa, 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 not an hourly. Not a minutely. No, no, no. Sometimes it's even a second. Every second we must take up our cross. What does that mean to take up your cross every second of the day? It means that you don't go back to saying, I have to deny myself anymore, and you start saying, I'm going to be putting actions and words and flesh and bones and blood to the life of Christ. That's it. That I will not give up. I will continue to give my rights to myself over to Christ every second. I didn't really want to share this because it's a little too personal, but I'll tell you this. Most men in the world struggle with lust, and I am one of them. But God has taken me through a journey in the past 25, 30 years that I can't begin to describe to you how difficult, how frustrating, how painful it has been. But it's been beautiful. Because God has given me a vision and a hope and a future that does not revolve around what I want anymore. It's not, the, it's not what I see with my physical eyes that I want anymore. It is what God is placing in my heart in a spiritual sense. What I see with my spiritual eyes. So when I see the person, the young lady who is dressed in a way that is not of Christ, rather than saying, judging her and saying, oh, she's this, she's that, rather than saying, wow, she's this, she's that, I say, God, help her to see her value in you has not to do with her physical appearance, but has everything to do with the spiritual aspect of her life, that she is a dearly loved daughter of God. And then I, I go even further, and this is, you, you guys will think I'm sick, but I'm going to tell you. I go even further, and I look, instead of looking at her, I look around, and you know what I see? I see men. Man after man after man. <gasps> Driving car accidents, whatever it is. And I don't just look at the men and I don't say, oh, poor guys, they struggled with what I did one time. I say, God, when I see a ring on their finger, I say, God, help that husband, that father, to be so wholly dedicated to you and to, their, to his wife that he will stop looking at that, at, the, at that female, at that woman, and saying, I want something that I don't have. God, help that man to be the faithful husband that you've called him to be. Help that young man who, who, isn't in a, who, who is in multiple relationships, who doesn't care. Help him to see the value of who he is. And it cannot be caught up in a moment in time that will lead him down a path that will make him something that he is not. The sacrifice for today will reap an eternal so take up your cross. The freedom and the joy in Christianity comes from when we are mindful for who we serve. And this is the final one. Follow me. 
perfect obedience. Trust and obey. Right? Can't be that easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's that easy to say and that hard to do. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the, this is the key right here. We all have a burden. We all have something that we have to bear. The question is, is the burden that you just go to work every day and you're wondering what in the world is going to come of this? Is the burden that you have this broken relationship with a family member or a friend that you can't solve and you don't want to try to solve and you want to just forget about it? Is the burden the addiction of something that you've been caught up in for years and you know you need to get out of it but you don't know how? Well, I'm telling you right now, when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life, this is no longer about a burden that the world places on you or that sin places on you. This is about the burden and the understanding of who Jesus Christ can be in your life. Is it a burden? Yes. Is it a light burden? Yes. Is it a burden that you can handle with His help? Absolutely. But you can't handle your sin without Him. You can't live your life without Him. I've tried, and it just doesn't work. You feel defeated. You feel empty. What I love about that passage is it doesn't lie. Because I've heard so much in Christianity that God loves us, and He does. But then God's going to provide for us, and He does. But then God's going to give you anything you want. And eh, that's where I have to freeze and say, wait a minute. That's not it. God doesn't give you whatever He wants. He has already given you everything you need. He has already given you everything you need. And there is nothing else you need except for Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what denying yourself means. That's what taking up your cross means. And that is ultimately what following Christ means. Theologian John Piper, and if you get confused by this, I apologize, but it was really cool at the time. And sometimes when you look at something, you're like, that's neat. And then the next thing you say, and you're like, that was confusing. But if it isn't confusing, great. If it is confusing, um, just listen anyway. Theologian John Piper said this, Christians need to be committed to great causes, not great comforts. Ooh! Christians need to be committed to great causes, not great comforts. I plead with the saints to dream a dream bigger than themselves and their families and their churches, to commit to the great causes of mercy and justice in a prejudiced, pain-filled, and perishing world. world. That's it right there. Be, to be committed to greater causes of mercy and justice in a prejudiced and pain-filled and perishing world. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, 1800s. It is our duty and our privilege to exhaust our lives for Christ. We are not to be living specimens of men in fine preservation, but living sacrifices whose lot is to be consumed. So confusing. That isn't what the world says. The world says preserve yourself, save yourself, build up the stuff, make it important, make yourself look important, build yourself up. But really, ultimately, when it comes down to it, when we are asked to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, we are asking God to use up our lives. To use our lives. So we no longer preserve it, but we give it up. And when we give it up, that's when God does his work. I don't want to go too long. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor during World War II. 
he was sent into concentration camps and, and all of these horrible things were done to him in order for him to recant. Hitler had him arrested and deported to a concentration camp. Bonhoeffer, in spite of his condition, would not recant his position to Hitler. On April 9th, and this is, you've got you to realize the time in history when this was happening. On April 9th, 1945, just three weeks before Hitler killed himself. Three weeks before Hitler killed himself. Three weeks. Not three months, not three years, three weeks. Before the tide turned and Hitler said, my life is over. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was executed under the order of Adolf Hitler. The doctor at the concentration camp who certified Bonhoeffer's death, death said this. Listen to these words. God made these words, made these words be about us. In almost 50 years that I have worked as a doctor, I have hardly ever seen a man die so entirely submissive to the will of God. Before there, MacArthur says, before there must be a cross, there must be a cross before a crown. There must be suffering before glory. There must be sacrifice before reward. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite Lindy and the band to come up. And as you're praying, as, as we're singing, and as I'm praying, maybe, maybe, just, maybe just one of you. But if there would be anyone who would want to come up and say, God, you know what? I remember that year, many, many years ago as a teenager, when I went up and I said, I'm going to deny myself, take up my cross and follow me. And God, I haven't been doing what you've asked me to do. I haven't been living the way. I haven't been denying myself. I've been chasing after all the stuff. I've been finding my contentment in stuff, in things, in relationships. I haven't been taking up my cross. I haven't been. I haven't been following you because I don't know how to. Maybe today, if you were to come today, you just want to say, I want to, learn, I want to relearn again how to follow Christ. I want to learn how to follow Christ. I want to know how to live in Him. Sons and daughters of the Most High. You okay? Go ahead, Rochelle, just sit down. Sons and daughters of the Most High. You're on the floor. You're trying your hardest and you're on the floor and you need someone or something to pick you up and sit you down at the place that you need to be. And you don't want to admit that you're down and you're embarrassed that you're down, but you know you need to change and you know you need the hand and you know you need the feet and you know you need the touch and the love of Christ. Today is the day, now is the moment that you change because Christ has put the challenge in front of you. He is calling your name as we sing. If you would like to come forward, please do. If you'd like to raise your hand, whatever you'd like to do, the pastors would love to come and talk to you. If you're down, he's there to pick you up. Let's sing.